Welcome to No Hope, the podcast. Serving up show tunes and nihilism every other week, or whenever we get around to it. Good afternoon, good or afternoon. good morning, or good evening. Or middle of the night. With, or middle of the night. If you're an insomniac. Or a drunk, or like a... <laughs> got a big bottle of whiskey next or, to you. Or a meth addict. Um, oh, that got hi. dark already. Hi. We are... Tim Allmiller and Scott Schneider, and, and we, we are, are also No Hope, No Hope Productions, Productions. Uh, which means we uh, make theater. We among, are two other things. gay middle-aged white cis men who live in New York and write musicals. Groundbreaking! There's no uh, one like us. Musicals that you don't know and probably never will. But hey, we're going to keep writing them until one of us is dead or. Loses their mind Maimed. to dementia Maimed or severely or, yeah. or unable to type or move. Like, if that happens, just I'm, I'm recording this right now. Pull the plug. Pull the plug. <laughs> yes. Do not resuscitate. Uh, maybe DNR. that could be the name of this podcast that yet does not have a name. That's a great. I like do not resuscitate. That's a great <laughs> idea go. for a name. We'll talk about this that. podcast doesn't have a name currently. But it is going to have one by the time you hear it, because it will have to be identified in yeah, some way. So we're prepared. Um, uh, but you can also always find it through our moniker, No, no hope. hope. Anyway, we have had no commercial success. Thus, No um, Hope Productions. <laughs> um, and we're not going to be, uh, you know, pretend to be people that we aren't. But we do make theater and we have been making theater for 16 years um, at least once a year, we have done something, mm -hmm. production, a cabaret, a play. Um, sometimes we'll do multiple things in one year. God knows why. We've been, um, we've been nothing if not, uh, you know, productive. Consistently productive. And that's one of the reasons that, that we're doing this is that we, we, we rarely talk about stuff. We just do it and mm -hmm. we're like, let's talk about musicals and things that we like and and we, and we definitely have opinions we have opinions have amassed a lot of you know stories from trying oh. to do this thing absolutely as long as we have and i think that the struggle is interesting i do like mm -hmm. i when I, when we were when i was researching the things that we're going to talk that i'm going to talk about today i learned shit that i had no idea mm -hmm. about and i was like oh this is really cool i also just read um my first book ever about structure of musicals that you were gonna say <laughs> i just read my first book ever Period. after 16 years i decided to read a book about how to well, write I a musical too, that you profess to well not profess that you s repeatedly state that you don't like musicals. i don't really like musicals and i'm like I don't. and yet no we write them so how does that yeah, work i think that that i think that's part of the also part of the reason i mm -hmm. thought it would be fun and interesting to, yeah. to do I, this i do happen to love musicals so yeah you like and i'm not i'm not like a talky talk talk person but when tim said let's do a podcast i was like Meh. but the topic being musicals and um, I'm here for it. What was the first musical that you ever saw? Can you remember? Uh, I saw on television because I grew up in the Midwest. So seeing musicals on stage was really not like much of an option, but um, I saw the sound of music on television and oh, I, I bet the wizard like, of Oz was mine. I bet. Hmm. I bet. I mean, yeah. you know, so from, I'm from Kansas. Um, okay, wait, we have to say one more thing. This is a very important line. We recognize the crazy hard work it takes to make theater and would never yeah. fault anyone for their effort. So Having even, said that. So even when things get a little, little heated and where we may not say the kindest things, we still, you know, 
yeah you, at the end of the day like this is not this is not a simple thing to do you have to respect it it mm. takes it takes an enormous amount to put anything on stage even shit you know i mean and a lot of shit gets put on stage mm -hmm. we've put shit on stage oh yeah for sure uh, that's the other thing oh my god full disclosure yeah we're not saying that we're steven sondheim um oh, thank god um oh, so this is gonna go so this is gonna go south quickly <laughs> this is gonna go south uh okay i think <laughs> see i think we go. should i think we i think well, that, yeah, that kind of yeah. covered everything i think right? we can like dive into okay scott schneider <sighs> ladies and gentlemen is now going to talk about so the musical that i love 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 is the musical ragtime oh I don't know ragtime. Seriously? I don't know ragtime. Oh my god. Well then this will be an education. It sucks. I it is a it's a musical you that I seriously What is wrong with you? I seriously made a That is error. a grievous it's a, error. It is, it is, it is. It's true. So let me let me I don't even know so who wrote ragtime. So Are I'm you flipping kidding me? Nope. I am excited for you to <sighs> you teach me. You profess to about, be a musical theater writer. But I don't like but musicals. You don't. Okay. Well anyway, so great. Then this will be an education. Okay. I'll probably have more to say about this musical than like any other musical. Uh, so the musical I love is Ragtime per Wikipedia. Uh, Ragtime is a musical with music by Stephen Flaherty, lyrics by Lynn Ahrens, and a book by Terrence McNally. Oh, I, I mean, didn't know you the should Terrence know McNally. this because right, 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 right. McNally. I know. I can't even believe it. These I've are, never even read yeah, it. These are heavy hitters, folks. Um, it's based on the 1975 novel of the same name by E.L. Doctorow. Doctorow. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, am I butchering his name? But I did read the novel way back when. You did? Uh, yeah. It's like sweeping and amazing and also something that should be looked into. I um, should read. <clears throat> I will put that yeah. on my list of things so, to read. Also, to quote Wikipedia, um, it's set in the early 20th century. Ragtime tells the story of three groups in the United States, African Americans, represented by Cole House Walker Jr., a Harlem musician. Um, upper-class suburbanites represented by mother, the, the matriarch of a white upper-class family in New Rochelle, New York, and uh, Eastern European immigrants represented by Tata, a, a Jewish immigrant from Latvia. Three groups of people. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Distinct okay. groups. I see, I see, I see. Uh, the show also incorporates historical figures such as like real, real people. Uh, such as Harry Houdini, Evelyn Nesbitt, Booker T. Washington, J.P. Morgan, Henry Ford, Stanford White, and Emma Goldman. And uh, when did this first... Funny you should ask. The musical appear. had its world premiere in Toronto in 1996, uh, okay. subsequently opening on Broadway in January of 98. Scott McLean loves this Oh, I show. could see Scott McLean loving this it. show. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, Has there been a major revival? One in 2009. And I didn't see yes. it. Which Ugh. you had the opportunity. I know. Well, many, I remember. many I remember. missed it. I many remember. missed it. Um, yeah, I think first I just want to talk about my personal experience with this musical. I first heard it via the 1996 recording, um, which that stemmed from the original Toronto production. Um, as I am a professed musician or attempt to be, I was first really hooked by the music. Uh, the score opens very simply with piano, plunking a very simple ragtime melody. And from those few opening bars, I was just like deeply, madly in love with the score.
at the time I was early into my senior year um, at Carmel High School in Carmel, Indiana, uh, where high, high school show choir is oddly like a very big thing <laughs> and taken really seriously by everyone involved. Um, and I was deeply, deeply entrenched in this like niche show choir world. It's so funny that we were both in show choir. Like if I mean well, if you've met like anyone from the Midwest who's moved to New York. They were like, in they show were choir. In show it's choir, true. It's so. true. That's true. Yeah, and I don't think it's like super groundbreaking, but it's it like a me, really it, weird Midwest It took me term. until my senior year to get in show choir though. I auditioned oh, no, every fucking I year and I couldn't do the dances. And then finally I <laughs> well, think see, Mrs. Warner just felt bad for me and she was like, just put him in. See, you know? I was I was dance captain. I know. I, was, like, I, very, I know. I know. I very into it. Yeah. I still go home and we like my best friend from home. We talk about stories today as if they had happened like yesterday. Like that's like how much of like a psychic imprint it left in our brains. Anyway, that's probably a whole other, uh, whole other podcast. Uh, Anyway. So like I was just starting my senior year when this soundtrack came out, super obsessed. Um, Anyway, I became convinced that the secret to our artistic success for the, for our upcoming spring showcase was to like do two of the songs from ragtime. Um, I wanted to do the opening title song and the powerhouse duet wheels of a dream. Did you get to do them? Well, Funny you should ask. Oh, so, okay. I didn't know. I was like, are you going to tell us? No, no, I will. I will. I will. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the evening, the the performance was called Evening with the Ambassadors because the Ambassadors was the name of our show choir. Oh. I never did really figure out what we were the Ambassadors for, <laughs> like 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 white suburban yeah, people. Yeah. Rich, <laughs> like rich, rich white, white people. people or something. <laughs> anyway, the problem was uh, Ragtime was like so new. All It had only been this Toronto production that there was no sheet music. So this is how obsessed I was. So with like a CD player, a pencil, and like old school score paper, this ambitious young 17-year-old musical theater queen <laughs> pressed stop and start like every couple seconds and basically scored it by ear, like oh figuring it out. <laughs> that... And adding like really bad four part harmony for Wheels of a Dream, which I would be super embarrassed about if uh, if I probably saw the score today. <laughs> so anyway, so I finished this little passion project, which nobody asked me to do. <laughs> and I approached our show choir director. Um, and, and this then, is before you were gay, right? Allegedly. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, exactly. A lot to break down here. So I like the, so things, I had, the things we did before we were gay. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I wrote a research paper on Bette Midler before I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I think I did. Like in, in this total digression, but I was like, I think in junior high we had to do some like weird project, and I picked like Madonna, Express Yourself. It's like anyway, uh, gay, gay. I mean, this whole podcast is going to be pretty gay, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so I basically Are like you gay. Wait, sick that's oh. disgusting <laughs> how very dare you uh anyway so so like to get back to this already too long story i basically wore down the show choir director and was like we're doing this and like waved the scores in his face and and so we did and and in hindsight i'm like kind of baffled that that actually happened on like several levels um and this is like this is a little bit of a humble brag story but I'm mostly just sharing it because it kind of felt like some nice foreshadowing of what we've essentially done for the last 16 years, which by that I mean is like making something in a complete vacuum and then basically forcing it down <laughs> people's throats. Like, like, this is the thing we did. Yeah, come and, come, come and see it. Come and see it. 
Come you have it. to come see you it. You don't have it's a choice. Not optional. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so yeah, this is probably my crowning achievement today. There's a VHS tape. That's how old I am. Floating around somewhere with uh, high school show choir kids in white tuxes and hot pink sequin dresses uh, performing unlicensed selections of ragtime from before it actually even opened on Broadway. So that's, that's impressive. Kind of my story. That's impressive. I mean, I guess. But uh, the point being is that is how deep my love lies for the musical. And, and still. And it, it maintains you and have still that, maintained that level it. Of, yeah, yeah. of enthusiasm. Right. And actually a little short aside, you know how much of a cynic I am. I do. Like I have the blackest of hearts. But like recently, <laughs> I hadn't listened to the score in ages. But like this past June, I took it upon myself. to. I was like, I'm going to paint our apartment. This is a terrible idea. So I was like, what should I listen to? This is going to be a really boring and mundane task. And so I was like, I'm going to do a deep dive into like 1990s musical theater. And this was the first one I selected. Ended up listening to the whole score, like beginning to finish and like cried multiple times. Because it like, wow. which is a hilarious mental image of like painting my apartment. That like, is so crying that you should say that because i almost interjected and say that the last time i saw you have any re like real emotion uh -huh. was like when your cat passed away oh yeah i don't care about people because i yeah never never see you have emotion so but that's blanche, amazing my that cat you, blanche Devereaux. that you my um, beloved cat that you actually yeah. were affected well, it's by like something it was it's it's insanely like topical i need to i, yeah. I need to listen so to it. yeah I that's sort of the next it. reason <laughs> that's, that's that your it, that's is... your assignment too listener well, if you haven't listened oh, to yeah. ragtime listen to ragtime listen to ragtime and we'll mm -hmm. all gather back here at our next recording session yeah. hear what you hear if i led you astray or if you your, if your life has been changed at least in my mind this was the first major project uh where i connected with uh Marin massey Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audra McDonald, your your favorite actress. Um, they just left a really deep thumbprint on these roles. Uh, so much so that when I did see the 2009 Broadway revival, it was kind of like difficult for me to adjust, to adjust yeah, yeah. because it yeah. was like it was like that kind of situation. Yeah. And so I, I ended up it was more like nostalgia for me, the 2009 production. Who was it? Do you know? Mm. Do you remember who was in the 2009 production? I don't. They weren't like names. Okay. It was something I think they had done at Kennedy Center, and then it was like like really well reviewed, and then so they, brought they brought it here. Brought it, here. Okay. it was a critical success here, but like sadly, people just like, it just didn't really like take. Um, oh, also in the original cast, this is a little fun fact that I always tell people: um, the artist known as Leah Michelle played the little girl. Oh wow! Like Tata's little girl, uh, Leah Michelle, who's I feel like I always say this as a joke. She's America's answer to the question. Can I get Adina Menzel, but like more unlikable? <laughs> I feel like we have to probably edit that out too. No. Because wow. I'm like watching the I don't think anybody really likes Leah well, I know. Michelle, That's so. kind, of, kind yeah. of feel bad yeah. saying it. I mean, like she's a, talented, like but I don't think joke. anybody really it's likes like her. Easy joke. But I think I, the but, only thing that people liked about her was her when she was with Corey Monteith because you were oh, like, yeah. well, he's a nice guy, so you have to like give her credit. The but tempers that, are a yeah, little bit. That's, that's over. So. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade recently, and it was like Adina and Leah. I was like, oof. Anyway, I miss them. Um, the last thing I was going to say is the reason I, I love this musical is I, I almost feel like it's like an underdog of sorts. Like you didn't know it. 
Um, and it's, it does sound ridiculous to say that because it was nominated for a slew of Tonys, uh, the 1998 Tonys. Um, it won many, rightfully so. It won for book, original score, orchestrations, and featured actress for the one and only Audra McDonald. Um, however, that year it, it lost Best Musical to Lion King, which oh, I still wow. feel is a very deep injustice. Wow. Very deep. But there we have it. Wow. Um, the original production ran for 834 performances, which is a lot. Like it's it a ran lot. for a couple of years. Yeah. However, I, I still don't feel like it's like truly been given its full due. Um, like it hasn't really entered into the general public's mind and hearts. Um, and they never made a movie of it, right? A movie musical no. of it. I mean, that actually might be, I mean, that actually might be the way to do it. Because it's not easy to do. It has it's to. Like, it has to be out there in development mm. somewhere. You know, it does. Like it, it's. Yeah. It feels like right now too that so many projects are getting made because yeah. of themes or being brought yeah. into the. That's that is what they should yeah, do actually yeah. because they tried it again on Broadway and it didn't didn't hit. I feel like there is a time and a place for. it. I feel like it would be like Chicago where it had a very good original the musical Chicago right. where it had yes. originally like a good run and then it like had this big pause and then it they brought it back in the 90s and then it was it was like the right time and yeah. the right place and yeah. then it became this like crazy juggernaut that it is today yeah and it's still yeah. topical because yeah. it that's yeah. i mean we're all obsessed yeah. with yeah but i was pondering because like, especially and... now like it's just difficult to produce ragtime because it's like it's a big huge right, cast right, right 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 and it's like multiracial cast with like all sorts of ages um I think the orchestrations are for like 26 musicians. It's just, yeah, it's not like, <laughs> and that's another reason. It's like, it's not like a regional theater. It can be like, right. I'm going to do, do it. Time. You don't do it. At, <laughs> I mean, even a college or university, it would probably, it's yeah. probably rare. I could gush forever, but that's sort of what I have to say. Wait, well, this is... well, they need to make a movie. Yeah. If you're listening to this, which you're not, Aaron's and Flaherty and Terrence McNally. <laughs> I'm, it <laughs> has, I'm sure it. someone owns the rights and it's, mm. it has to be. Offended that should you don't we know should we jump on to <clears throat> yeah, we to, should jump on to mine yeah. okay this is the musical that I love um, and this is going to be of no surprise to you whatsoever oh God, it's scared. also my favorite musical of all time which is Hedvig and the Angry Inch oh, it was um, on my list this is um, my sources are Wikipedia and IMDb um, uh, music and lyrics by Stephen Trask book by John Cameron Mitchell um, it. Let me see here. It the musical opened off Broadway in 1998. It won the Obie Award and the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Off Broadway Musical. The production ran for two years and was remounted with various casts by the original creative team in other U.S. cities. In 2000, the musical had a West End production. And it has been produced throughout the world in hundreds of stage productions. And I'm assuming it has been translated, although I didn't like go onto a deep dive in mm. the, 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 the number of countries that it has been in. I'm assuming that it has that to have been translated, at least the, the text. But, you know, like it's weird because when you see a musical in Germany, um, the book is translated, the dialogue is translated, yeah. but frequently the songs are still sung in English. Mm. Like when they do Greece, really? they sing the songs in English and then the text is in German. So yeah, I, I don't, really know I don't work know. that out, the producers. But yeah. I guess it's just how prevalent English is in the country. But. And if the songs are known, I guess, then they want to hear them the way that they know them, which is the way yeah. they've heard them like 
on the like radio back in the or 80s, listening to them, you know. Back in the 80s when they did Les Mis, they would always, they would like always translate it. To, oh. I don't know. Okay, so it's a, it's this is a question. Obviously, we there's a lot of things that we don't. But know. that's completely sung through, so maybe that's what why. is lameness. Oh, right, right, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, just to, to to go on a couple of other uh, facts, um, John Cameron Mitchell wrote and directed a film version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch in 2001, which I was completely God, was shocked by. Well, it was not only that long ago, but I was also shocked that it happened so quickly after the off-Broadway production closed. Yeah. I didn't, in, in when I was thinking back on it, I thought it was like five or six years before the movie was made, but it was made, you know, basically like he was, I think he was in the production. I don't actually know for sure, but he was in the production for like close to a year. And then mm-hmm. they, you know put in a bunch of other people um but he so he must have gotten the the offer um because he went to he did this at sundance lab i do know that and he must have gotten the offer to go to sundance and do this at the lab Mm -hmm. um pretty quickly after the like someone saw the production and said like you should make this into a movie because the movie was released in 2001 we saw the movie together i am pretty sure at the union square um uh cinema that, that sounds big, about right. I'm pretty positive. I just am like still reeling from shock that it was 2001. It was 2001. Remember yes. it being like, oh, I don't know, 2004 or something. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I and did I not realize it was that early. More distance between the production and the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was It was odd. but um, I am st- so glad they did the movie, though. Yeah, I mean, I was really disappointed in the movie when I first saw it mm-hmm. because, I mean, this was, for me, like one of the probably top five if not top three like theatrical experiences of my life mm-hmm. um i went i you know it's also that thing of like you go in knowing not very much at all about something mm-hmm. i really hardly had any idea the what the fuck i was gonna see best way to go it was on. the last cover so it was the last replacement this guy mm-hmm. matt mcgrath um who probably not very many people know um i didn't know who he was but he was amazing mm-hmm. this guy who a friend of ours got us tickets it was a press night Just... and um and we were on like the third row at the jane street theater um and if, if everybody doesn't know where the jane yeah. street theater is it's um it's in it's in a hotel which i actually yeah. meant to write down i saw a tick tick boom um, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That was there, right? and that was the hotel where the survivors of the titanic were taken and oh, that was also oh. referenced in the show of course when it was at the jane street theater but i was on like the third row scott my friend scott mclean and i were there and it was i remember just being literally like in a in a like you know 90 minute sort of theatrical orgasm mm-hmm. of just absolute um watching this absolutely brilliant thing unfold and 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 i was i couldn't stop talking about it, i couldn't stop thinking about it it was um i mean of course there's like so much about like um finding your voice and your identity yeah. and and coming out and you know all of this sort of stuff that was that i was still experiencing <laughs> even though it was like 2000 i think it was in 2000 um because uh, you know we're all students of life <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is you were a mess. <laughs> I was, was, I was a mess. I just moved but to New York, connected to um, and deeply connected to this material. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and then and I had remembered like all of these people, like Ali Sheedy played yeah, it. I, I was about that, to interject. As far as I know, she's the only like major, you know, 
performer as a woman who had had a stint in this role mm-hmm. i think that that um it did. oh she I, never did the uh lena hall i don't i think right. lena hall did a couple of shows but i don't yeah. think she like, like i don't think it was a run i think she mm-hmm. like was like understudying or something mm-hmm. i did read something about that but but ali sheedy you know had a a three month or four month sort of stint in this show and i remember because I, I loved ali sheedy um and i think she had just made high art uh, which God, is an amazing film. If that. you uh, what, ha- seen Ali Sheedy, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a, I, I have I some heard... theater regrets these days. I just try to see everything, but like, uh, but I was not so great at like seeing things that well, I should have seen back in the day. But I could have, if I had tried, I could have seen that original production. And I rem- I remembered hearing about Ali Sheedy going into it. Like I should have seen that. Um, <laughs> let me talk about the origin of love, which mm. is probably what i believe to be the greatest musical theater song ever written and one of the greatest songs ever written period i mean the um uh i i don't even know it's like from greek it's like all of this there's all of this stuff about it but <laughs> that i it's should greek it's, it's like inspired you know greek inspiration i mean you um, you did get me deeply deeply into that score and that and that song I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. And for people who don't know what the story is about, I guess I should say briefly Mm -hmm. that it's about Hedvig, who is a young boy in uh, divided Berlin, um, and he falls for, or a a, a, a American military man falls for him and wants to marry him and take him back to the States, except the problem is, is that, of course, he's a boy. So they have to try to convince um, immigration. (laughs) Is it immigration? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, the authorities that um, he's really a a woman. And in that he decides to chop off his penis. Um, It is a botched operation, which is the the title song goes into detail about that. And that is where the angry inch comes from. Um, And they move to Junction City, Kansas, which is (laughs) 10 miles away from where I went to undergrad at Kansas State University. And it's a real place. Oh, it's of course it's a real place. There's a there's a military base there, um, Fort Riley. And that's also the first place I ever bought a dildo because it was like a (laughs) sex shop in Junction City. And we all went to this sex shop and like like got dirty magazines. And I was like, I think I'm going to buy a dildo. Did you get a look from the? Clerk, I mean, no, I'm pretty sure the clerk was queer. Like he was, okay. he was or like, a, he's just seen it all. Too, yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> but, um, is John Cameron Mitchell from like the Midwest? Cause that seems I, like pretty specific. I think John Cameron Mitchell lived in Junction City <laughs> because his father was in the military and he also oh, lived in right, Germany. Right, right, right. And that's one of the things that it talks about here that the story draws on Mitchell's life as the child of a U.S. Army major general who once commanded mm. the U.S. sector of occupied West Berlin. The character of Hedwig was inspired by a German divorced U.S. Army wife who is Mitchell's family's babysitter and moonlighted as a prostitute at her trailer park home in oh Junction God. City, Everything Kansas. Everything about that is amazing. Isn't that fucking incredible? <laughs> the other thing that I learned, which I had no idea about, is that um, the original... Uh, wait a second. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is it. This is it. The character of Hedwig was originally a supporting character. What? And the and Who the main the character was going to be Tommy Gnosis, originally conceived oh, as the main character. That was the was right based on to... Mitchell himself. I see, yeah, I see, I see. And the other thing is, I don't know if you know about this. I again, I learned some more things. I knew that that a lot of this material had been developed 
um, at this club called mm-hmm. Squeeze Box. I did know that. Yep. And that's where John Cameron Mitchell met Stephen Trask. He met Stephen Trask through his boyfriend Jack Steeb, who played the who played the bass with Stephen Trask mm-hmm. as the house band of Squeeze Box. I did not know that. For some reason, I thought they met on a plane. I think that that, that I mean, I've also that? heard that, but no. I, it seems as if this is a much more realistic yeah. uh, thing that, um, I mean, maybe they spoke on a plane, hmm. who knows? But the fact is, is that they then, uh, originally, this is the other thing that I thought was fascinating is John Cameron Mitchell, um, would rewrite lyrics of popular songs to tell the story of Hedvig because he was not a musician himself. So he, 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 um, including Fleetwood Mac, Yoko Ono, David Bowie, the Velvet Underground. And this is my favorite thing. A German glam rendition of Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life once served as the musical's finale. Oh, my God. I want to hear all of that. I mean, I I didn't actually go on a search for that. But if it exists, we have to listen to it. Totally. Because that has to have been incredible. Um, So fascinating to me. Sorry to interject. But that, 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 that he took on this project. I mean, John Cameron Mitchell. Like yeah. he's a he was like a Broadway. I mean, he is a Broadway like actor. Like I knew him first from um, uh, Secret Garden, the musical. I didn't uh, know. He yeah. Did so like when Garden. he did this, it was like for from me from my perspective, like so out of left field in like he, an amazing sort of way. He also did the Destiny of Me. I don't know if mm. you know that play. It was I like don't. the it was like the sequel to The Normal Heart. It was Larry yeah, Kramer no, and about Larry Kramer's childhood, and he plays like a young Larry huh. Kramer. So I didn't realize that he had done musical theater. Yeah. I thought he was like primarily yeah, an like, actor, actor because he also did some films, like probably either before or around this time. I see. Um, you know, he was like a legit music theater actor. Yeah, I, I mean, he's just such a unique. Mm-hmm person and he uh, anyway hmm. um okay so that's how the the thing was developed and it was developed over a couple of years um until uh yeah showcase their early mat- earliest material in 94 hmm. so and then it opened in 98 so they were showcasing this material and trying this stuff out and they they specifically said we're going to do that this way because we want to keep the rock sound we don't want to put it in a we don't want to take it to a theater yeah. and it's going to suddenly become a musical theater thing which yeah. is of course as i as as mentioned like i think probably the reason that it's my favorite musical is because it doesn't feel much like musical theater it uh, feels no, it doesn't. you can listen to it as an album and it 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 definitely I mean, it, it tells a story, but this, the, the, um, I mean, brilliantly it tells the story, but it's the songs are, they're, they're pop songs, they're rock mm-hmm. songs. Um, anyway, Origin of Love, I have to read this because it's just so fucking brilliant. Last time I saw you, we had just split in two. You were looking at me, I was looking at you. You had a way so familiar, but I could not recognize because you had blood on your face. I had blood. Last time I saw you, we just split in two You was looking at me, I was looking at you You had a way so familiar I could not recognize Cause you had blood on your face I had blood in my eyes But I could swear by your expression That the pain down in your soul was the same The one down in my 
this man like I, I I wish I followed Stephen Trask more because I know he's written some other things um, because this it, it, he's I mean, that's just unbelievably brilliant. Um, anyway, that's my story of uh, seeing. Oh, and then and then, of course, obviously in, you solved the Broadway production. I was right? I just realized I didn't mention the fact that then it went like to Broadway in 2014. Um, it came to Broadway's Belasco Theater. It was there for I don't know when it opened in 2014, um, but it but it closed in 2015. So it was there. I think it was almost two years though. It was. It ran for a good good. And there were a lot of people of in it. Like I saw, I saw it with I saw Neil Patrick Harris three times. I also saw it three times. It's all with Neil Patrick Harris, where I basically got in a screaming match with the box office because they didn't have my seats. What? I, like refused to leave until they basically found seats for me. It was not my like shiniest behavior, but I got in. I saw it. I think did we, we see it I the same night. Did. Yeah, we, oh, did. we okay. did. Okay, okay. I remember that. I remember yeah. you screaming yeah. at people, but we weren't sitting by each other, right? We we no. got t- tickets separately. Well, okay. because I got these like last like minute two house seats. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, we could riff on like Broadway audience behavior, but uh, you know, they're like at the end when Lena Hall starts singing the "Lift uh, Up Your Hand," and it's like uh, life changing, and you're like transported to uh, another. It just gives time me chills space. just yeah, thinking so that, about it. So that moment was happening, and then a woman in the front of the balcony sort of like stood up because she was like moved, and the woman next to me, like she had not stood up for more than like two seconds, and the woman next to me, like took her program and like threw it at the woman and like hit her in the head and then what happened well the woman turned around and she just kind of smiled and kept dancing and stuff which i don't know i was like kind of pro the woman who was standing up and dancing even though like you know normally i'm like come on people behave but i'm like with for that show it's like i feel like we all should be like standing up in that moment when lena hall just like cuts loose yeah Hi everyone, this is Michael, the producer of the show, jumping in to give you a preview of the next episode. And now for the stuff that we hate. <laughs> um, this is gonna be, I mean, I love to love stuff, but yeah. it's so fun to what? hate stuff. There was a lot of running, <laughs> yes. I, running, you know, fleeing on stage is always such a fascinating thing to watch, isn't it? You're just like, what? Running from stage right to stage oh, right, repeatedly. God. I mean, you are you are just trying to be difficult. I'm not trying to be difficult. These are my true, honest. I promise I don't think, you. I feel I like not this is you this being up. like, I don't like Dolly Parton. Oh, like, that like, is ridiculous. There is no. Oh.